Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Hacker Noon podcast. I'm your host today, Lee Mark, the VP of Growth at Hacker Noon. Joining me is our CEO, David Smook, and our podcast manager, Amy Tom, and Lynn Smook in the background. Thanks for having us today. Looking forward to talking about aliens and what have you. And as David just teased, this week on Planet Internet, we'll be talking about aliens, Latin American uh, countries that are soon to accept cryptocurrencies as their legal tender, and the return to office normalcy in the United States. So let us start with that topic. Our first article is from Substack.com titled The Back to to the Office Maximum by Anne Helen Peterson. And basically what it's talking about is how since vaccinations are ramping up in the United States, more and more companies are slowly trying to get the majority of their workforce back into their offices. And this is a really thorough article about what the situation is, what other, what certain companies are doing, what options there are for a return to work culture, return to office culture and different ways we can handle it. And in tandem, we had a similar article published on Hacker Noon recently called uh, Baby Serial Managers Are in Trouble and They Know It, written by our very own Anthony Watson. And it just shows that this problem is, I don't know if I should call it a problem, but this issue isn't something that's like far away. It, it's something that's in our backyard. It's probably happening to people we all know. And I just want to get our thoughts on that. We'll start with Amy. What do you think about these two articles and the return to work normalcy? Yeah, I guess I'll start with the back to the office article from Substack because part of the article that she talks about or part a piece that she talks about in this article I thought was really interesting on diversity in the workplace. And she mentions that as people return to the office and maybe you're given options on how often to return, go back in or it's flexible or you entirely have the option of going in or not going in at all. A lot of single male people, young males will go in and a lot of women who maybe have kids or other quote-unquote household responsibilities would not return to the office and it would further the gender divide between women who are trying to go for promotions who might not be going into the office versus single men who would be always going into the office and are more like I don't know aggressive in terms of achieving or going for promotions. So I thought that was really interesting to hear about some predictions of the diversity in the workplace and how it might affect going forward of like workplace culture. I would like to take this opportunity to tell you guys the new official policy at Hacker Noon is we all have to go to the office every day, 10 hours a day. If you don't do it, we're gonna, you're gonna lose oh, Okay, job. where's yeah. the Which, office? Uh, <laughs> Which country? <laughs> Let's do. Are we all going we, to America? We, we could do it with our new gaming environment. What do we call it? Oh, the, Gather the Town? virtual Gather universe. Town? Yeah. yeah, virtual Gather Town. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm cool with that. I, I can go for a virtual office for a cameo. Cameo. A free one. About gaming. Yeah. So I, I think what's going to happen is that with the virtual office, if you don't allow it, people are going to get laid off and quit. And I think a low key kind of like these situations that are happening, it's like they're actually creating rules to force people to quit. I think that's like part of the secret layoffs that are happening in these rules of bait and switch people of like different, basically you thought you were remote and that's how it works. And now if you have to lower your workforce by a certain percentage, boom, who's going to quit? 
I don't know, but they, they know a certain percentage will quit whenever they force like different working conditions on them. So, you know, like me right here, this is my home office, obviously. I like it. I like working here. <laughs> so I think if we're, if your job's really digital, like what's it matter where your keyboard is? Yeah, yeah, definitely. David, do you think that, what kind of leverage do you think that the employee has in that situation though? Because it, would they just quit and then find another job that is fully remote or what do you think about that? It's definitely a good thing for talent that there's more remote jobs than ever before. So if you do, if you're not happy with your setup or your situation, there's more out there. Um, now that means there's also a shift going on to more part-time work and there's other shifts going on of who has budget anymore and who doesn't and you know what industries are growing but like the overall shift of more opportunities of remote work for people i think balances it out of if they're forced to go in and at the same time i force myself to go places so sometimes it is useful to be around other people typing sometimes it is useful to meet a human in person and try and do some business so there were like the first comment on this article I don't know if I agree with it, but the first comment on it, they're pointing out that, hey, what is, what's the difference of productivity while you're in the same room? In certain tasks, if you're in the same room, your productivity rate is higher. So I, that might go both ways on. And I do think this article undersells it a bit because I think if you have a good worker, they'll meet in person, they'll go in person when they need to, and they won't when they don't need to. So like the individual like really should be able to decide. Yeah, I think certainly meetings are better in person. There's less like talking over each other and you can tell when somebody finished the points more easily in an in-person meeting. But my hope is that this will follow the law of natural selection. If it's obviously better for your company to allow people to work from home, then eventually the companies that don't do that and end up losing revenue because of that, they'll learn the hard way. My wife's company, they learned in this pandemic that they could have a viable workforce from home. So they made the decision to cut their office space by 40%. So now they don't have to lease that building anymore every year and they're saving yeah. so much money. So I hope that it's just gonna work out in the end in that way. The companies will eventually learn that if they're gonna stick at old school, they'll lose some good talent that they didn't have to lose and they'll have to pay for extra office space that they didn't need to pay for. Mm -hmm. The part about the office space I think will be interesting. David, would you ever consider working from a co-working office? I have. Yeah. I go into phases uh, like, oh, I want to get out of here for a little bit. Don't do it for a couple months. Really though, that needs to be walking distance for me to keep going just because mm -hmm. I have <clears throat> the value of walking in the middle of the day. If, if there's an end point where you can also work, now you have a routine where you've mixed in some walking. So you feel better. Your health feels better. Your brain feels better. And like, mm -hmm. I'm in a small town that down the hill doesn't have any co-working spaces. They have some coffee shops, but no co-working. So if there was one, I'd probably want to support the community and support other, because there's also an element of the physical camaraderie displacing the, the physical camaraderie you miss if you're working in an office versus getting that with other entrepreneurs or other, you know, professional remote digital nomads or other mm -hmm. small business owners that kind of like that group where you're at a, your level of business isn't enough to justify an office or your team's all over the place, but you still like meet people. So I think there's still like a social value that like people need and there's other solutions for, but like being in the same room helps. Yeah. I really liked working at a co-working office when I did over the summer last year because of the entrepreneurial environment. I think it's different than working in an office where you're working with your coworkers who are all doing the same job as you, I think, but in the co-working environment, it was cool because it was, everybody was an entrepreneur there. So it was like, cool to bounce ideas off of people too. 
-hmm. I remember getting some early customers in the co-working spaces. Like, oh, you, you run Hacker Noon? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to advertise? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, hey, this is your Hacker Noon editor, your podcast host, and your best friend here to bring you some tips on how to get published on HackerNoon.com. Number one, don't plagiarize. We hate plagiarism. Number two, format your articles. It makes our jobs a little easier and we appreciate it. Number three, check your spelling and your sentence structure. We love grammar. Number four, back up your claims with sources and don't make shit up. Anyways, back to the episode. Speaking of entrepreneurs, one of the biggest news in the crypto sphere in the past week and a half or so is the fact that the El Salvador president declared that they will soon accept crypto as legal tender. Hopefully this is uh, something that'll bring more entrepreneurial ideas to that area. And we have an article about it on Hacker Noon titled The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly of Latin American Politicians Embracing Cryptocurrency, written by Claudio Cosio. Cosio. Any Spanish people Cosio? in this chat that uh, no. that know how to pronounce that? Let's go with no. Cosio. Okay. Sorry, so anyway, yeah. Anyways, he went over, of course, that announcement by the El Salvador president, but not just that. He also talked about how other countries in Latin America might adopt the same thing. He talked about, obviously, the good points of governments accepting cryptocurrency as legal tender, but he also went into the parts about it that people aren't focusing much on, the parts where it's not going to be like an amazing revolution so quickly as some people might think, based on stats, widespread adoption of crypto isn't as high as we hope it would be and things like that. So I wanted to get your thoughts on this topic. We'll start with David. Did you uh, catch that news conference or did you watch it on YouTube after? I didn't catch it live, but I, I more read than listen to the news in general. I'm saying that on a podcast, of course. You, you know, are I, the CEO of the tech publication, so I feel like that makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> Audio is cool too, though. So that I think something that's a little lost in some of these stories is like, they, El Salvador already abandoned its own currency and was accepting the U.S. dollar. So they were already a country coming from the point of, as a government, we don't own the currency. And right. manipulating the currency supply isn't our job. That's the market. So I think they, they're in a spot where this, it seems like a bigger move than it is because they're already relying on a third party for their currency. And they're already subject. Because if you're, what you don't want is an unstable currency. Now your people don't know how much food costs from day to day. They don't know what they can afford. They don't know what they can spend money on because you have crazy inflation. The Bitcoin moves more than the dollar over the last five years, but could that be true five years from now? Maybe not. There's a nice stability to the bigger these things get, the more they get to closer to a stable coin, which like is actually, I think, good for the smaller economic players in, in the market. So that's... Uh, I don't know. I think, it, and, and, and then the, the actual details of it is basically, I guess if I go to a store and I offer them Bitcoin, they have to accept it as legal tender, which like, I don't think a lot of stores are prepared to do technology and process wise. <laughs> so I'm curious, what is, what, how does it play out? If I come in and I try and pay in Bitcoin, they say, we don't take it. What, I'm going to yeah. file a complaint or something. Oh, yeah, it's more like a symbol that like, you should take it. Okay, I think that I have a question because I think I'm just trying to wrap my head around this. I don't really get it. Why is the government awareness of of Bitcoin? Like, why is that essential? Why is it a good thing? Because in my mind, the only good piece of having the government back a crypto 
currency is that you bring more like mass adoption and mass awareness but then he's saying like the data is showing that they're not even it's not even becoming mass adopted so i guess i'm wondering what's the point of the government backing crypto there's a few points like i could i could surmise i don't know if it's like the truth but okay firstly one of the biggest pros in my mind is when there's the if you're the first country that accepts crypto as legal tender hopefully that'll cause a boom in your startup market and your entrepreneurship market because there's a wide variety of new companies that can come out of such a huge shift for example mm -hmm. david just mentioned one there's tons if it's legal tender legally you have to accept it but there's thousands of stores that don't have that technology so companies will have to sprout up to provide that technology just like uh, the companies that sprouted up to provide the credit card technology for all the stores around the world and the other part about government awareness there was an interesting point justin roberti mentioned in our slogging channel and he was talking about how right now the world of crypto is like the gold rush back in the day where it was a free-for-all, try to get rich, and there wasn't much government regula legislation around it. And while that was good for the early people, eventually that, that crashed and it doesn't work. So he talked about how when governments will start paying more attention to this, hopefully we don't want hardcore regulations because that defeats the purpose of crypto, but it'll become more mainstream. If it's legal tender, it's not like something we can just ignore because we don't want to think about the technology anymore. It's something that everyone will have to think about because it'll become like the next Visa and the next MasterCard. I don't know if David, you have any other thoughts on that? I'm just in general in favor of splitting currency away from governments. I don't think the Federal Reserve in the United States changing the rate that which money is printed is good for the market. I think it can be, it's like a Band-Aid or a shot. It can help you. It can get you out of the problem you're in by manipulating the money supply a little bit, but it's not a sustainable way to grow. Like I'm more of the, when I studied economics in school, I was just much more on the money supply really meaning everything because there's only so much money out there and there's only so many goods. If you divide one by the other, you can just change how much goods are how much all goods are worth by manipulating the money supply or the price of everything. So I, I really like that Bitcoin's approach to limiting the money supply and being upfront with the rate that it grows. So I, I think this is in general a, a good thing for money. Yeah. I hope I answered your question there, Amy. I don't know if I went off tangent. No, yeah, that makes sense. I didn't uh, think about that. So cool. Yeah. I remember David in high school, I asked that question. Like when she, when our teacher was teaching us about economics, I was like, if it works like that, why don't governments just print more money and get richer that way? And she was like, they do do that. It happens all the time. It's terrible. How much Bitcoin do you think this president is holding? Did he get into that at all? Oh. About like how, how much his personal stake is in Bitcoin? That's a good question. That's a good question. Uh, I think he did. But... Significant. This is definitely a market moving move. And that means it affects his pocket, which is yeah. cool. It's a little bit of a short term thinking, but. Um, yeah. yeah. Interestingly, though, Bitcoin didn't really go up that much after that announcement. It might have went up like a couple of percent, but like nothing huge. I look at this is like the rebound announcements from Elon Musk uh, shitting on Bitcoin lately. It's like that dropped it, this went up. And then it's also in the back of my mind, I'm like, this is all just noise. If more people use it, it's just going to keep going up. And these are like mascots like floating around it, talking about it. But yeah, I don't know. I've been thinking less and less that markets are driven by tweets. Yeah, I see. I see. Should we only allow publication of articles for the cryptos we hold? 
just to inflate the market a bit yeah. and make, <laughs> make, some, make some more money. Well, we do have, um, not to tease all of our features, but we do have a new function coming out soon-ish for contributing writers to say what, what coins they're holding. And if they are holding something in this market, in this article, it's good to disclose. For sure. Cool. Talking From about- now on, we're only publishing Dogecoin articles. <laughs> I don't know. Calm down. <laughs> Speaking of disclosure, sweet segue, talking, uh, the next article is near and dear to my heart because when I was in high school and college, I was 100% hardcore into UFO and alien conspiracy. I watched UFO Hunters every episode of every season. Like it's, wow, it's that's my guilty pleasure. Um, uh -huh. And were you convinced that you were convinced at the time that those episodes were of real aliens or you were convinced that you needed to learn more to figure out which ones were the real aliens. Def definitely some of their stuff is crazy far-fetched. It, it's really funny because they'll try to sell you on it. And I, I believe, I think sometimes the hosts also didn't believe it, but they're just Hollywooding. But there, there were a few episodes where I'm like, even if this isn't true, the story is just still interesting that this human believes in it so much. You know, yeah. it's, it's yeah. super interesting. <laughs> But the article we're talking about, there's a few of them, but this is just one I chose from Vice. It's titled, The Pentagon Could Finally Tell the Whole Truth About UFOs. Long story short, the government is soon going to drop a new report about- Can we just talk about this headline for a second? The use sure. of could. You could literally write a headline with anything when you use could so liberally. Oh, they could do this, they could do that. Yeah, Bitcoin could. Uh, rise 50k tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but that's the TLDR of it is the government is soon going to drop a report about UFOs because they finally, I guess, broke their silence on the topic and broke their policy of just denying. And they were forced to break their policy. No, I think that they, it said that there was a, they put it to legislation and mm -hmm. they had to disclose and that was back in December, I think yeah. it said. Yeah. And so I, now, uh... yeah, now they're ready to, almost ready to come out and say what their report has to offer. Yeah. Once they disclosed that in December and uh, a few of the stories came out about like American fighter pilots in, uh, like hardcore chases with these things. And they even disclosed the video. I just, I lost my shit, uh, part of my language, but uh, I was, it, it was like huge for me. Cause it was like, finally I'm vindicated all of those UFO hunters episodes. It wasn't a waste, <laughs> um, but in tandem with that article, I saw another article pop up in my feed. They're related in the sense that the combination of these two things could bring us closer to finding other life forms. So this article is basically about a theory of how we could speed up the trajectory of a probe so that it can reach Alpha Centauri within 22 years, as opposed to, it was something ridiculous, like 500 something years. So we could reach our closest star in the next decade. So faster space travel combined with America, the American government's soon to be disclosed report could bring us closer to aliens. What do you all think about this? Let's start with Amy. Let's storm Area 51. They can't stop us all. <laughs> they can. That's what I think. They have machine guns. All, I think they can. All 150 who show up. They also have space technology. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> no, they can't stop us all. They have fences. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I am not like huge into aliens or UFOs, but I just am obsessed with that conspiracy theory, Area 51 and storming the area and the whole like Facebook event that they had. That was 2019 mm -hmm. and how people yeah, just like everyday random I people. The, I remember when the yeah. event had like a million people going. But yeah. Thing happened? What was the no, resolution? no, no. Okay, so what actually happened was on the day there was about 150 people that showed up, and and it was very lackluster. Like maybe a reporter or two, I think they said, and then like a hundred people. <laughs> <laughs> if it interests you, Amy, the frontman of Blink 182 is a believer. I know. Yeah. Okay, I do know about this because, yeah, he gave the report to the New York Times. That's the moment where you're like, oh, I, I like Vice. Of course they're going to put his belief in this article. Okay, I'll come back. I'll read you again. That's nice detail. What about you, David? Do you believe in aliens? What, are we, what do you think? So let me give you a little background on how I was raised. Mm -hmm. So I would ask my dad where he grew up, and he told me he lived the first 13 years of his life on Jupiter in the shape of a triangle. And I would ask him, why are you shaped like a triangle? And he's like, the gravity, because the planet's so big. So the gravity would pull him down. And that was the optimal uh, shape that he settled on. And then at age 13, he came to Earth. Okay. And, and then changed his shape? Yeah, then he became <laughs> a human the gravity. That was uh, his okay. explanation of his childhood. To Wait. Me. What, at what age did you realize childhood. that this wasn't true? We don't know for sure. Not true. <laughs> yeah, there's. You can ask him about it. Yeah, maybe we should have him on this podcast. Oh, do we have him on the podcast? I, I would your, love did your to interview Mr. Ever validate Smook. the story. They did not like the story. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. <laughs> it made their role in the story a little less important. Maybe they didn't like the story because it's true. They didn't want him to tell anyone. There's a chance I wasn't there. You the come time. from a line of aliens. It's there's yeah. a chance. Yeah. But. All right. Serious talk, do you, do you think this changes the world at all? Let's say, best case scenario, they have proof that there's a crazy fast um, UFOs that it's not humanly possible with today's technology. Do you think the world cares in, in the current, in current age, the fact that we have some vague proof that there's other life forms in the universe? I mean, I'm definitely curious what they're going to release. I watched the 60 Minutes interview and the footage they did on that one got a lot of press in America. And it was like these pilots seeing these objects move faster than planes ever could. I think we're definitely going to find out that the amount of aerial technology made, I think a lot of these videos, there's a large group that the humans that have made really impressive aerial technology mm. haven't mass distributed it and it's not known. Like these pods that can fly around in different ways to like not use wings and move through the air at a really high speed. I think we're going to start to see there's a lot more science and techniques that have already existed. We just don't know about. And so I'm pretty confident there's definitely be a lot of that. But in terms of aliens themselves, like, why not? The universe is pretty big and we're pretty small. So it seems like the odds are not against us having other people or other beings in the galaxy. Do you hope that aliens exist or are you indifferent, Amy? Pretty close to indifferent. But I definitely uh, hope they exist in a fun kind of what if way. But to answer your other question too, I, it's not really important to me if they exist or not. David, d d does it change your life? Does it change your philosophy? Um, I mean, we did this exercise at the end of an all hands hacker noon meeting. Like what if aliens came to earth? What headline would you want to tell them? And I think the best answer was we come in peace. 
So like, as long as they come in peace, like, cool. That would be cool to meet an alien. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Did how, how important was Independence Day, the movie to your childhoods respectively? Not at all. I watched it and I didn't really like it that much. I think I much preferred Signs with uh, by M. Night Shyamalan and Mel Gibson. The, the other thing this article made me think of, because Mission Impossible or, excuse me, Independence Day, that was big in my childhood. I think I hit the exact right age at the right time to be like, whoa, this could happen. And like watching it, it play out. But the other one that this, this whole article made me think of was Contact, like of the time loop. Did you guys get into Contact? Nope. No, I don't remember that I don't that know one. what that is. All right, I won't say anything more. Okay, we'll Sorry look for the it up later. Distraction. No worries, no worries. No spoilers here. Cool, to... actually, so I want to take a left turn to into some tech tips or like what's new in your tech world because do any of you use an Android? Yes. Okay, I've just discovered themes on Android. I've been using an Android for like over a year and a half. I did not know this was a thing. And I'm stoked because now my phone looks like it's candy themed. It has candy emojis and stuff instead of like regular vibes. So I'm very excited about that. Did you know that was a thing? I, I don't know it's a thing. Is it in settings? Like you can just Yeah, you know, you just there. like hold and then like when widgets come up, like the yeah. I, Android has widgets. There's yeah. also theme option and then you can like download themes. There's paid themes and there's free themes, but like you can okay. change the way that your text looks and the icons and all of these different things too. So it's like very exciting. Just, just like as a disclaimer, I think Amy might've gotten our hopes up. I think it's based on your phone or maybe your Android model. Mine does not have that. Mine oh, has no. widgets and wallpapers only. Dang. Yes. Okay. I, well, gave I have up, a Samsung I gave up Galaxy. my Android phone. I switched back to Apple. I tried it. I think I just broke it and the support, it was Google support actually. It was the straw that broke the camel's back. So I had a Google Pixel and Google, it's so annoying. The Google Pixel insurance, basically their version of Apple Care is a Google owned company, but it's like completely independent and it's just so hard to communicate with them. And after they were like, call, then email, then send this. And it was just like, dude, if I have to pay it for repair it, I'm just ready to start over. Yeah. Okay. I really like my Samsung though. I had iPhones for like years and years and I kept breaking them, but I've had the Samsung for a year and a half now. And I really like it. Speaking of consumer tech, have you all bought anything new recently that you want to share or you plan on buying any new tech in the near future? I bought this phone case. It's purple nice. but it was just on amazon i got one i'm considering buying the let me get the name right here the cano pc cano.me is the site and it's a basically a computer for ages like three to eight to teach them the basics of building Aww. stuff on the computer by playing games oh this yeah. is like cool. wait like coding and stuff i think there's logic oh, yeah. first coding, and then i think the it awesome moves way. up yeah so I've been considering oh, cool. uh, buying this. Or software. Both. I think it's, it's oh, one, like a plug and play little computer with its own software. I find but that very interesting like... that they would make their own device for that. Yeah, it's a control thing. So there's also elements of you really want to optimize for a three or a four-year-old. Look at even from the first moment of an iPad, like typing in the security code 
and everything is just, if you control, hey, here are the default games. And plus they probably make more money if they bundle it all together. Look at this is a 250 price point plus accessories are probably well, in-app purchases. And yeah, look, so there, that's a pretty solid sale. Like it, as opposed to trying to get someone to pay like even $50 to download an app on your iPad, you're like $50, like this is just an app. Yeah. You know? I yeah. think like they, yeah. maybe it's better. I don't know. I really want to like hold it first before I pay for it. Mm. Just kind of, but I don't know, maybe I'll buy it for. Cool. Maybe I should try it to learn coding. I did code combat. I don't know if Nora likes RPGs, but that's like an RPG coding game. <laughs> yeah, I, I also need it to learn coding. <laughs> maybe what this did you is say part of like the hacker noon onboarding. You get, you get eight and under? <laughs> Perfect. Eight and under, David, you said? Oh, I just thought we, we should use it as part of our hacker noon onboarding. Give kids this, give adults the learn to code computer for kids. <laughs> I'm down, I'm down. Here you For go, me, I'm not planning hire. on. Um, sorry. No, nothing. I'm not planning on buying any new hardware, but I did get a new VR game. That's uh, basically Rock Band in VR, and it's what? pretty amazing. Um, <gasps> so you get to Fine. play in front of a virtual audience. You have virtual bandmates, and like drumming is the funnest. You have a one. virtual virtual guitar or virtual yeah. drumsticks, or do you virtual... have virtual? You could do virtual guitar, virtual piano, and virtual drums. And like drumming is, you don't need real drumsticks, David, but you hold fake drumsticks and it's crazy accurate. Like it blows my mind Whoa. how accurate it is. It makes me feel like I could become a drummer right now. Gosh. I feel like I'm good enough now. <laughs> well, I think you should right. go for it. I think you, if you want to be a drummer, I think you should take this training and you should go to the subway street and you set up <laughs> shop and open up your hat and put a dollar bill in there and just start playing. You can put right, a right. story on the Hacker Noon Instagram about it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It'll be like a headline. A foreigner embarrasses himself in front of Tokyo subway. Everyone claps. <laughs> Wait, Lemar, what's this? What's this thing called? The game? The app is called uh, Beat Mania. I think it's called Beat Mania on oh, Oculus Quest. Okay. Yeah, it's good. It's cool. good. Sounds great. My favorite part of that is the fact that there's a, a virtual crowd. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> so not only that, you have to you have to give thumbs up to your teammates to like make sure you appreciate their music. You have to you have to wave oh, to your nice. virtual teammates, or the song won't start. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks Sweet. everyone for listening and making it through to the end of this podcast. Thanks to Amy and David for joining us. I was your host today, Lee Mark, and this podcast was produced by Hacker Noon and edited by Alex. Thanks for joining and see you next week. Bye. Later. Okay. Before we go, though, can I show you my favorite documentary about aliens ever? So <laughs> this is called Rods, and this is a four minute version. There's like a two hour one on YouTube before that got like millions of views. And what it's about is sometimes on camera, people catch phenomenon where there's this rod-shaped animal that no one's ever discovered. In the comments, it's all, that's a mosquito, that's a bee. It's just flying really close to the camera. And the whole documentary is about how it's not uh, just insects that are flying too close to the camera. <laughs> it's so good. So this, it's this is- aliens? Yeah, it's an alien oh. life form that we haven't discovered yet because they move okay. too fast. Only cameras okay. can catch them. So this is one of the most famous instances. They said like a, a group of base jumpers are about to encounter these things. 
And it's always like a crap camera too. <laughs> So you see the insects flying oh, around? Oh, okay. <laughs> what? That's it? And they slow it down? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> it does look alien-like, though, in this crappy camera. It looks like it could be a, a leaf. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. That's too much yeah. internet for the day. Yeah, but there's there was two hours of that, and I watched the whole thing. So that's how... Okay. Hardcore I was. <laughs> All right. <laughs>